0: وَلَا تَنَاجَشُوا وَلَا تَبَاغَضُوا وَلَا تَدَابَرُوا وَلَا يَبِعْ بَعْضُكُمْ عَلَى بيع بَعْضُ وَكُونُوا عِبَادُ اللَّهِ إِخْوَانَا المسلم أخو المسلم لا يظلمه ولا يخذله ولا يكذبه ولا يحقره التقوى ها هنا يشير إلى صدره ثلاث مرار بحسب من من الشر أن يحقر أخاه المسلم كل المسلم على المسلم حرام دمه وماله وعرضه رباه مسلم Alhamdulillah, brothers and sisters, we're continuing with these lessons from the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi. And as we mentioned previously, these 40 hadith, they are those matters that relate to the fundamentals of our deen, the fundamentals of Islam. And you know when you just see the condition out there, just in the modern world that we're in, in the times that we're living in, and just in some of the fitnas, some of the confusions, And some of the issues that are going around, really, you just see that the only solution for Muslims is just to come back to the basics. Like, literally, like people that really want to be good Muslims, they just want to practice their deen, they just want to, you know, uh, get closer to Allah. My humble request to everybody, you just want to get closer to Allah, start from the basics. You know, and one of the places you can start is these fundamental teachings of Islam. What are some of the fundamental you know, principles of the deen? What are some of the, you know, the, the things that the, the main teachings of Islam? So, this arba'in, um, this 40 hadith of Imam al Nawawi, you can say every single hadith and every single chapter is like a major principle of the deen. And as mashallah, we've, we're basically on hadith number 35. We only have five more hadith to complete this. The amount of depth and the amount of, um, you know, uh, uh, substance that's in these hadith, you can see that just these hadith, if a person knows it, it will transform your character. It will make you a better Muslim. It will make you closer to Allah and Messenger. Just give you, you know, more of an awareness and, you know, just if a person wants to increase in their wisdom, every will increase in your wisdom, learn one hadith daily, read one word of wisdom daily, or read one new hadith daily. And it doesn't even have to be a new hadith. Sometimes when you just read the same hadith on a daily basis, thank you, thank you brother. That same hadith will open up different meanings for you every single day. Sometimes one ayah of the Quran, Today you'll read it, it'll give you one meaning. Tomorrow, or maybe like I'll read a hadith like months later, it'll give me a completely different meaning. Because you know, you're not the same person you were last year, today. You're a different person. You're not the same person five years from now that you were today. You're more mature, you're more experienced, you're not the same. You're more you're older, you're more wiser so every you know every hadith or every ayah of the quran when we repeat these things and sometimes we have this you know this entertainment syndrome we want to be we want to always hear something new we always want to get something you know what else you know i've heard this before whereas in reality have we really understood what we read you know earlier have we really understood this ayah or this hadith so i think one of the most you know what i find myself I mean, when I graduated after completing the uh, six authentic books of hadith, right? So each of these books is probably about, you know, in a normal compilation, it will be five volumes. Like the Bukhari, you'll find it in like four volumes, 200 pages each. And we did the six, you know, what they call the, 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 the canon of the hadith, the canonical books of hadith. We did all six of them. That was 18 years ago. But as I, like, go back to them again, I'm like, subhanAllah, I don't even think I understood it then. You know, you, you completely come to a complete different meaning, a new meaning. So, uh, every day, you know, if you want to increase in wisdom, if you want to become a better person, you want to transform, read, read, read these hadith. ponder over it, you know. And um, inshallah, when we go through this, you'll see, like, this hadith in particular is as narrated by Abu Hurairah anhu if you see and and what i what i like to title this hadith is the, the most beautiful you know, utopian society like the society that the prophet sallallahu had established and the community that the prophet sallallahu has established that if you implement this just this hadith in your own in your own immediate family with your spouse with your own in your own house you implement this hadith or amongst your own relatives, or in your own community, or in your masjid, or in your own domain, wallahi that place will become like Jannah. Like what I I title this hadith as, that if people were implementing this hadith right here, that place where you live, that community that you live, that house in which you reside, will become like paradise on earth. This is what this hadith, literally if we implement this, but this is where, why, and, you know, you'll, you'll see when I read this hadith, that in every single one of them, for us not to implement one of them, life becomes hell. Each one of these things. That if you implement it, you'll become, this world will become closer and closer to something called paradise. You know we all hear about paradise? Allah ta'ala describes paradise in the Quran. Paradise is not something like, that's undescribable. Maybe it's not imaginable, but it can be described to, to the closest meaning. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, right, لا يسمعون فيها لغوان ولا إلا سلاما سلاما Allah ta'ala says, what is Jannah? لا يسمعون فيها لغوان They will not hear in paradise any vain talk. There's no like, you know, some people they're just like talking, they're just like, shut up. You just vain, like it's just giving you a headache, blah, 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 blah. You will not hear any of that talk in paradise where you just want to just tell somebody instinctively, can you just please shut up because you're giving me a headache. There is none of that in paradise. You only hear that which soothes the heart. لا يسمعون فيها جزاك الله خير. wa ولا تأثيما. And you'll not hear any words of, you know, vulgarity, sin. You know? I was, you know, and and, and, you know, if your parents, I mean, some of you guys are still young, so you're probably doing it, so if you're doing it, don't do it. But if your parents, like, you walk down the street, you're hearing like, F this, F that, B ish, F, I'm like, dude, I'm with my kids, excuse me. Like, I'm standing in line with my kids, and you got a bunch of guys, F, 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 I'm like, dude, can you calm down? You don't see that there's kids over here? Like, you know, sometimes you don't know where you're going to take your children, you take them to the park, F. You take them over here, B, H, uh, you know, just mentioning the letters so you understand what I'm saying. Allah SWT says paradise is not such a place where you go and it's like you're uncomfortable. Where you go and you're just like, please shut up. You're making me uncomfortable. Or you're hearing things that are, you know, that, 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 that bring you down. You know, backbiting, words of hatred, you know, words of fighting. Racism, discrimination, things that bother us. Every day we probably, you know, what we're bombarded with on our smartphones, like the things that we see. So many things that are annoying, so many things that are hurtful, so many things that are... Jannah will not be that, that, that place. La yasma'un fiha lughwan wa la illā إِلَّا قِيلًا سلاما, سلاما, سَلَامًا And there will only be words of peace. And what is the name of paradise? Darus salam Lāhum Darus salam عند رَبّهِم. Ila salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls to the abode of peace. This world can become that. This world can become that. Yes, I know it seems very far-fetched, but look at how can this world become that, this hadith. And I, as we read it, you will understand. As we read this hadith, you will understand getting closer and closer to the meaning of what it means to have like a, you know, a utopian... The utopia is something fake, but the closest thing that you can come to something of Jannah on Earth. Now, listen how that that can happen. The only way that the only way that we can rectify this world is rectifying ourselves. The only way that we can correct our families is correcting ourselves, because the world is made up of communities. Is it the world is made up of communities? The communities are made up of individuals, and individuals make up that, that, that community. Individuals make up that society, so when the individual is rectifying himself, then the community gets rectified. If the individual corrects himself, then the family gets corrected. If the family gets corrected, the community gets corrected. If the community gets corrected, the whole society, the whole country gets corrected. So you can see that transformation, betterment rectification It all starts with the character of the individual. So here we see in this hadith How does this word how can this world actually become a Jannah? This is what the Prophet Sallallahu and This this society so he begins an abhi anhu qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu الله عليه la tahasadu wa la tanajashu wa la tabagadu do not envy one another and do not try to, right, hurt one another. And do not hate one another. تدبروا, and do not turn your backs to one another. عبعد, and do not cheat one another in your business dealings and transactions. اللَّهِ إخوانا, And be slaves of Allah. Number one, brothers to one another. Be slaves of Allah, first and foremost to Allah, And be brothers to one another. (inaudible) إنما المؤمنون إخوة فأصلحوا بين أخوائكم المسلم أخو المسلم A Muslim is the brother of another Muslim. (inaudible) لا يظلمه He does not wrong him. (inaudible) ولا يخذله He does not disgrace him. (inaudible) ولا يكذبه He does not lie to him. (inaudible) ولا يحقره Or يحقره And he does not despise him and look down upon him. (inaudible) التقوه هنا The Prophet ﷺ said, that piety is here yushiru ila sadrihi thalatha mirar, and he was pointing to his pointing to his chest 3 times min it is sufficient evil for you as a person that you should look down and you should despise another muslim this is enough for you you could you, you don't need any other sin to take you to jahannam this in this in and of itself that you look down upon anybody else and you say these people they're just scum I'm more superior than them. These people are worthless. These people are low people. These people are low class. That mentality, this is sufficient to destroy you. This is sufficient to destroy your akhirah and your character and your status as a Muslim. That you look at another Muslim and you say, oh, this Muslim, these are low class people. We're high class people. This is why, subhanAllah, in Islam, we don't have a caste system. Do you know that... Millions of people in India accepted Islam. Millions. And one of the, one of the things that they saw, one of the, 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 our Mashaikh of the, of the past, I mean, you could imagine, they had, they had what you call the untouchables, the low-class people, and then you had the Brahmins. They're like the godly people, right? And they were of different skin tones as well. So now imagine you had these people of Arab origin, you probably heard of Khwaja Muinuddin Chishti, Ajmiri, and, you know, some of the Sahaba, they're buried, they're Arab, they're Arab descent, and they came. And they're sitting with these so-called people that are untouchables, and this all they did is that they would spread the, you know, they, they would spread out and, and invite everybody to come and eat, and they would feed the people. And now you have this untouchable eating from the same plate as somebody who, in their mind, is a Brahmin. You can imagine their white skin tone, Arab, and showing love and eating from the same plate, and like, what, what, what on earth is this? Thousands of millions of people in India, they accepted Islam just on this basis, that there was no, there was no despising of another human being even. Forget Muslim, because the Hadith says, don't do it to a Muslim. But when you, when you are constantly, I mean, you weren't taught to despise anybody as you grew up. Now you're not gonna despise nobody. You won't despise non-Muslims either. That's, what, that's how you grow up. You know, there's this person It's interesting. Uh, he has a YouTube channel. And he goes around the world and he probably been to like, he, he, he's been to like every country in the world. He has this like YouTube channel, right? Do you know that the top five countries that he visited it's like Afghanistan, literally. You know, Afghanistan and, and like Bangladesh or something, it, they're all like Muslim countries, where you think like that they're in the most dangerous countries in the world. Because in those countries, people who really believe, they're taught hospitality from the day that they're born. They're taught not to look down on people and not to judge people based on their external appearance. It doesn't matter who you are. You're my guest today. What are you? You're a traveler? That's it, you're my guest. Khalas. What, well, you're a traveler? You came, you're, you're from, you don't, you, you know, you, you, you don't have a home? No, you can't stay at a hotel. Ho- saying a hotel is bad. Come and have chai at my house and be in my house. And... One of our teachers, Sheikh Hashim, who accepted Islam in the 70s, he was saying something interesting. He said, I was a hippie jazz player in the 70s from a Jewish family. My father is an atheist and my mother, she comes from like a, you know, Christian background. He said that, you know, I started my journey in Morocco and I got a guitar and I'm like, you know, like that hippie just hitchhiking and I wanted to just go and, you know, how it was in those days. They would just go and they would hit the road, hitchhike until they reach like to the other side of Africa, just through hitchhiking. He said, when I got to Morocco, he said I was hitchhiking and, you know, there was a person, he's like a farmer, he stops by the road and he tells me like, what are you? where are you going? What are you doing? He said, oh, I'm not going nowhere. I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm a tourist. So he said, this man, literally, I mean, for us, it's probably, we heard this story many times and it's normal for us, but for him, he said, this man brought me into his home. He kept me. He gave me a separate room. They fed me. And he took care of me. And he, he said that, you know, now, and he's like, you, but you don't even know me and this and that. And he said, this is, he said, why, why did you do this for me? And he said, this is what our, our deen teaches us. This is what our religion teaches us. He says, I actually went to, I went to go see original Christianity. He says, I wanted to become like a, 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 a reborn Christian. He said, but that was when the seed of Islam was planted into my heart. He said, I went to get Christianity, and I ended up accepting Islam in... He told me like in, in, uh, in Eritrea or over there, like near Somalia or Eritrea, there he accepted Islam. We actually went to go. He said, I wanted to go to see what was the original Christianity, which was somewhere, he said, in Ethiopia, where they have the original Coptic Christians that, still, that existed from the time of Jesus or something. He went for that. But he said, that man who took me in his home, and when I asked him, why do you do this? He said, this is Islam. This is what our deen teaches us. He said, that was the moment that the seed of Islam was planted in my heart, where I actually went to gain. I went to become a Christian, but I, was, I, I became a Muslim. I had no choice but to become a Muslim. And he said that the, the moment that what made me become a Muslim, he says, I was at the, I was at the port, and there was these sailors, Muslim. Ethiopian sailors, and they were on a ship, and all of them were praying salat. One of them, and he says, nobody's talking, nobody's saying anything to one another, just one of them gives the adhan, and I'm just sitting there, I'm a tourist, I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at these people. And he said, there's no discussion amongst them. It's like everybody knows exactly what to do. And for me, I mean, you guys, he, 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 tells, he tells us all the time, Sheikh Hashim, he said, we take Islam for granted because we're born with it. But just imagine as a non-Muslim that I don't even know what this is about, and you have a man who's just singing something, and then everybody knows exactly what to do, and then one of them goes forward, and 10 of them, they line up behind him, and then he says these words, and in unison, all of them are bowing, and all of them are prostrating, and then he says the salaam on this side, and he says the salaam on that side. After that salat, he said, I said, I wanted to say my shahada. I said, this is the religion. I said, when these people have so much, they're so organized in their prayer, then they're organized in everything in their life. It started at that moment when the seed was planted in my heart in Morocco. And by the time I came and I, I, I arrived in Ethiopia, the other side of Africa, from the west to the east, he says, I had already accepted Islam. This, these teachings, that it, when, when you practice it, when you live it, it, doesn't only, it, it's not only restricted to Muslims, it passes off to, to everyone, everyone around you. So here the Prophet Sallallahu says, don't be envious of one another. Do not hurt one another. Do not hate one another. Do not turn your backs to one another. Do not cheat one another in your transactions. Be the slaves of Allah and brothers to one another. Al muslimu akhul muslim. The Muslim is the brother of another Muslim. He does not oppress him. He does not disgrace him. He does not lie to him. He does not put him down and, 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 and humiliate him. Taqwa is here and he pointed to his chest three times and it is sufficient harm it is a sufficient evil for you that you should despise and humiliate. That you should despise another Muslim brother. Kullu muslimi al-Muslimi haram and then the end is the key here. كُلُّ المسلمي عَلَى المسلمي حَرَامُ Every Muslim for another Muslim is haram. Subhanallah. What does this mean? المسلمي المسلمي. Every Muslim to another Muslim is sanctified. The word haram has two meanings. One is forbidden. One meaning of haram is forbidden. Meaning like alcohol is haram. Pork is haram. But there's another meaning of haram. Sanctified. Honorable. Reverent. Like we say Masjid al-Haram. Masjid al-Haram doesn't mean the Haram Masjid. Don't go inside. This Masjid is Haram. Haram here means sanctified, meaning evil. To, To do evil here is Haram. It is a sanctified place. It is a reverent place. You see? So here, this is what it's saying, that a Muslim is sanctified. Do you know how powerful that is? Do you know how powerful this is? to say that another Muslim is sanctified. This is very very powerful because we say about Masjid al-Haram, it is sanctified. But the Prophet ﷺ said about another believer that a Muslim themselves, this, this human being just like that place is Haram, this human being is Haram. is sanctified. This person is holy. What of this person? Then he explains what of this person? You see, so you pray in the direction of that person? That's not what it means. Yani, there's something about this person which is sanctified. What of him is sanctified? He says, "Damuhu wa Subhanallah. The life of this person is sanctified. Number one. Meaning, you cannot touch, harm this person in their life in any way, shape, or form. The life of this person. The, the blood you know, the blood of this person cannot be shed. The life of this person cannot be taken. This is haram. This is sanctified. Imagine like, so, so basically, killing a Muslim is like dismantling the Kaaba. Or na'udhu billah, like ripping a Quran. We know the Quran is sanctified, right? So it's like, imagine, imagine ripping a Quran. So when you kill a Muslim, is like, it's worse than, you know, it's like it's something like you're desecrating something that is sanctified. wamaluhu, and his wealth. The wealth of another. And this is something subhanAllah, I wish we knew in the Muslim communities, right? How much we cheat. And we say MashaAllah, brother, inshallah brother, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna. And then we never pay that person back. We, we, we withhold the wealth of somebody that we owe. But we say bismillah, mashallah, alhamdulillah brother. And what do we do? We cheat that person. Hey man, do don't you owe me a thousand dollars? Hey what, what thousand dollars? I don't know, you nothing. Yeah, and we intentionally lie and cheat and withhold that person's right. That is desecrating that sanctity. You are desecrating a sanctity. وَإِرْدُهُ And also the honor of that person. دَمُهُ wa وَإِرْدُهُ The life of this person and the wealth of this person and the honor of this person. The honor of a person to make accusations that are lies about somebody's honor. Or to say about a chaste human being that they've committed you know, something that is like adultery and they have not committed adultery. Or you make an accusation against this person saying that they are a thief, they are a liar, they are a cheater, they are you know, not from legitimate you know, uh, background or whatever. You say something about the honor of that person. In the books of fiqh, it's very interesting. It says, if you say about a person, oh harami, you know, harami, you say that about a person without proof, meaning you're a, I sorry to use this language, I apologize, to say about a person, they're a bastard. If you use that word about a person, that person can take you to the court of law for defamation, Islamically, just by you saying that. It means basically that that person is from illegitimate, marriage they don't they, they're not from a legitimate marriage if you say that just that word you know sometimes in fighting people say that you know and they just say like something like that to a person just that statement which is a, 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 a taunting another person's honor you can take them in the Sharia court that this person has said and made this allegation against me and that person will be required to bring proof for what they have, the claim that they have made. And if they cannot, then they will be punished. They will be punished. And whatever is the, the, the hukum of the qadi and the judge regarding that. This hadith in totality, if we look at it, brothers and sisters, what does it do? It creates a society. First one, let's look at from the top what the Prophet says. He starts with this, لا تحسدوا. Do not envy one another. Do not be jealous of one another. And envy what is the reality of envy, as the, 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 the mashayikh say? It's It's to wish that someone else is removed of a bounty. You see that somebody has a nice car, or you see somebody has a nice house, or you see somebody has you know, a nice face, or you, you see somebody is you know, whatever, and then you say, who's that person? He doesn't deserve it. I wish he never had it. And in your heart, you wish that that person would lose that. I wish he would crash that car that he has. I wish he would get a divorce from his wife. Why is he so happy in his marriage? I wish he would die. Or whatever, these different types of like, it's tamanni zawali ni'amatin al-ghair. To wish the termination of somebody else's bounty. Because you just can't tolerate that somebody else should have something that you don't. This is the reality of of envy. And then there's something which is what? Which is a permissible kind of wishing to also have a good. That's called Ghippa. Ghippa is you see somebody else, mashallah, they pray their five times prayers at the masjid. And you're like, oh man, I wish I could do that. Or you see somebody giving a lot of charity and they're using their wealth, they open up an orphanage, or they're helping the poor, or they open up like a you know, charity foundation, and you say, oh, I wish I could do something like that. That is a good jealousy. Because you're not wishing that Allah take that away from them. So this is good, and this, this we should have. And this is what we call, وَفِي ذَلِكَ فَالْيَتَنَافَسِ الْمُتَنَافِسُونَ And in this, should the believers compete. Right? You compete. You see somebody, mashallah, that they're doing good. They're praying, you know, they're coming to the masjid, they're praying in the first saf, and, you know, uh, somebody is, you know, they go for umrah and or for hajj, and, you know, it encourages you. You're not, you don't wish that Allah should take it away from them, but you wish that, you know, that's what I need to do as well. I have to do that as well. So this is ghibta. It's called ghibta. And this is something that is required of us in the matter of good things. In such a way where you don't wish that Allah should take something else away. And as for why this is something that is bad is because in reality when you're jealous of somebody, right, you are angry at Allah's distribution. Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an, أَمْ يَحْسُدُونَ النَّاسَ عَلَى مَا آتَاهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ and are, are they jealous of others for what Allah Ta'ala has given? Now, when you're ever jealous of somebody, just remind yourself, who has given that person that? Somebody might be jealous of, about somebody because, oh, they're so smart, or they're so beautiful, or they're so rich, or they have such a nice life. Right? You're, you're, what do you, who gave them that? Nobody really actually has any bounty in and of themselves. Right? Somebody says, oh, I work really hard. Yeah, millions of people work really hard, but they don't got that. So there's, there's something behind There's a divine source of bounties. No, I, I worked hard for this. That's why I'm here. I'm, I got this and I got that because I work really, really hard. Or I'm really, really smart. Well, millions of people are smart. Millions of people got degrees. And they don't even got jobs. A guy, I know a guy who got like triple PhDs. Like the Pichara, he's like homeless almost. Always, every day, Shaykh, make dua, I got a job. Make dua. And I said, dude, you got like three PhDs, man. Like, get it. But like, they think. Like, but there's another person who doesn't even have a PhD. The guy got, you know, millions. He's swimming in millions. So my point is, is bounties are, are blessings from Allah. So when we are jealous of others, it's actually you're angry. You're not angry at the person. You're angry at the one who has given him that. You're angry at Allah's distribution. Allah distributes his bounties to whoever he wills. Allah Ta'ala has given somebody a happily happy marriage it's because Allah has given that to them if Allah has given somebody a beautiful face they didn't have anything to do with it you know I remember you know, somebody said oh your baby is such a beautiful baby what am I supposed to say thank you I said alhamdulillah why you say thank you, you didn't do nothing what did you do you know, if your baby would have been ugly, then you know what? You, oh, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I, I, like I had something to do with it. You don't have anything to do with it. Allah is the one who يصوركم في الأرحام كيف يشاء. يصوركم في الأ... He is the one who shapes you in the wombs of the mothers how He wills. So, this is why it's very, very important for us to understand that jealousy is something that, what is it in reality? It's in reality you're angry at Allah's distribution. And we should be very, very careful about this because this was actually the first sin that was committed was jealousy. The first sin that was committed was jealousy. Iblis, he was jealous of Adam. The first sin in the heavens was jealousy, and the first sin on earth was jealousy. The first sin in the heavens right was iblis he became angry at adam he was jealous of adam why did he get everybody to prostrate to him everybody should prostrate to me i'm better than him i'm from fire he's from earth and dust and the first sin that was committed on earth was when qabil was jealous of habil why did allah accept him why didn't he accept me and he killed his brother so the first sin in the heavens the cause of it was jealousy, and the first sin on earth, the cause of it was jealousy. May Allah protect us. So what, 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 what we need to do is if you find that jealousy inside of you, what is a khatir? It's a, it's a random thought that comes in your mind. The random thought goes, you just say, Allah Ta'ala is, blesses whoever He wills in any way that He wants. يَجُبُ عَلَى الْعَبْدَ القناعة بِالْقِسْمَةِ فِي مقام A person should, number one, say, SubhanAllah, Allah distributes his bounties as he wills. May Allah increase that person in his blessings. Make dua for that person. First is the thought of jealousy that comes. The thought of jealousy is not jealousy in and of itself. But if it starts becoming something where then you actually want to say something about that person or hurt that person, that is now what is the harmful. As long as you don't utter it and as long as you don't implement it, then that random thought that comes in your mind is natural. And everybody, we all have that within us. But if that starts hitting you hard, then what should you do? You should say, this is a gift and bounties of Allah. He gives it to who He wills. And you should then remind yourself that the person who is jealous, he is actually being displeased with Allah. You're not angry at that person. You're actually angry at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you remind yourself of that and you ask Allah Ta'ala to increase that person, and you make du'a for that person, and you be, you know, have contentment, and understand that whatever anybody has, this is from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala. The next one, la tanajashu, the Prophet Sallallahu said, la tanajashu, and an najis, as it said here, bima'na التنفر. التنفر la yunaffir ba'dukum بعضاً. بِأَن يُسْمِعَهُ كَلَامًا يَكُونُ سَبَبًا لِنَفْرَتِهِ Najash, it says tanafur to make somebody hurt, to say something to somebody, make him hear words which will cause nafra inside of that person, to put somebody down, right? Because now look at how it goes in the order, first is hasad, right? After hasad comes what? Usually, who are the ones that are haters, that say hateful things? Is because they got jealousy. So first comes jealousy, then comes t- najish, najesh. Right? Najish is ta- a- attanaffur. لا <speaking> ينفر <in foreign language> You should not say words that will cause that person to become hurt or to run away or to flee from being around you. And uh, again, the source of sometimes these hateful words is what? Is the jealousy inside of the heart. People first are jealous, and then after that, the words, what, what, what starts in the heart then emanates from the mouth, right? And then after that, now it goes to a higher level, right? First people are jealous, and then they start saying things to be, be a cause of Hurt, hurt towards others and then the next level is even deeper is enmity do not harbor enmity in your heart La Yadi, <inaudible> don't involve yourself in constantly creating enemies some people they wake up in the morning and say who can I fight today like they have like this this dog you know this dog disposition I want to fight somebody I wake up in the morning and the first thing that comes in my mind who am I going to fight who am I going to plot against? Who am I going to attack? Dude, are you a human being or are you are a dog? A dog is constantly like a pit bull, you know? I want to go and find somebody who's, who's you know, who's challenging me today? Who can I fight today? When you, 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 sometimes we have to see within ourselves why I have these qualities inside of me. These are qualities that Allah hates. Allah hates that you should carry bughd in your heart hatred for these people because they speak this language or these people because they're from the north or from the south or they got this language or they have this ethnicity we have this in us you, the prophet said now what, look at what the prophet he he guided us source just don't do it stop it there's no other solution just stop it you need to withhold yourself you need to discipline yourself because this is not the sifat of a believer لَا تَشْتَغِلُوا الْعَدَاوَى Don't involve yourself in the things that lead to hatred. Wallahi, the one who wants Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who wants Allah's pleasure, they will constantly watch their heart the same way they watch them, you know, the same way you watch your, your clothes, like, I need to change, bro. You know, what? I, got, I got stains here. You know, just like you're looking at your shirt and I would say a white shirt. You know, like when you got a white shirt and you see a stain, immediately you don't even keep that on yourself. You wear that. You feel uncomfortable. You, you smell something. Man, I, I think I had to change. I got to take a shower. You have to be more sensitive about your heart just as you are about your external. More than that, actually. Are you are that sensitive? That Wait a minute. Do I smell hatred? Wait a minute. Is that jealousy? my question Where's my laundry? I got to wash this. I got to make istighfar. I got to put it in the laundry of istighfar. I got to ask Allah's forgiveness. I have to make dua for this person. Why do I have hatred in my heart? Just like we are constantly aware of the bad smell that's coming from our bodies and the stains that we see in our clothes, we have to be aware of the bad smell in our hearts and the stains in our, in our ruh, the stains in our souls. Purify that with istighfar. Purify that with asking Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness, removing from your heart those things. Don't allow it. You should be sensitive to these matters. But what do we do? We like it. It gives us something to do. It gives us something to feel. You know, it it, it gives us that that, that drive. I like to hate. You know, it's interesting. Love and hate. These are two polar opposites. And if you're a lover, all you want to do is love. All you want to do is love because that love gives you satisfaction. It gives you, a, it gives you a reason to live. It makes you feel good. And wallahi, it's the same thing with hate and enmity. That hate, it gives people motivation. That hate, it ri- revels people up. That hate, it gives you like a, a, a purpose. That hate, it, 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 it gives you energy, but it's not good energy. Right. It's dark energy. It's evil energy. Shaytan, as Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, anna arsalna al azza." Do you not see how we send upon the kuffar, the devils that rival them up? Rival them up with more hate. A believer does not allow that. A believer is rahmah. A believer is muhabbah. Even to those who have wronged them. And that gives them more strength. I forgive you, no matter what bad that you have done to me. And to that forgiveness, Allah gives them more strength. To that love and compassion, Allah gives them more nur, more power. They think that, that they think that you think that hatred is a very very powerful thing. You don't know that amount that مغفرة. Allah Taala says that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala increases a person in izza through forgiveness. They think like, if I punch this guy down and I get revenge, I will have izzah. No, you will have regret. It will increase you in guilt. But the person who forgives, Allah increases them in izza, in honor. And the person who takes revenge and fills his heart with hate, and more hate, it increases him in guilt, in darkness, in shaitanat. La تباغدوا The Prophet said, do not have hatred for one another. And then the Prophet وسلم said, What is the way that you do it? Taḥadu, taḥabu. Give gifts to one another and it will increase you in love. In another hadith it says, "Tasāfahu, Fa'innahu, يُذْهِبُ Shahna, Shake hands with one another. Meet one another and shake hands. This will remove any enmity that's in the hearts. And the Prophet وسلم says that you do not have faith until you love one another. You will not have true faith until you love one another. And, should I not tell you something that will increase your love for one another? He says, say the salam to one another. Don't turn your backs to one another. Say the salam. Call somebody. Or when you see somebody that, like in the masjid, like you see them, and then, you know, it's just that person, you just want to go make a U-turn, like this, way. No. Right? And when your nafs says make a U-turn, you should make your nafs go and just say salam to that person, even though that, and that is how you break the back of shaitan. That is how you break the back of nafs and shaitan. That when you want to go to see that Muslim, and then the Muslim is saying, oh, but that skin color, or that language, or that ethnicity, or that past thing that happened, that's keeping, no, go and you say salam. That moment when you said salam, even though it didn't come from the heart, you broke the back of shaitan. You broke shaitan's back, and the nafs said, oh, I have no control over this person. I have no control over this person. This is the prophetic teachings. It's not easy. But this is what the Prophet taught us. This is how that community becomes a community. Otherwise, imagine if we just follow our desires. This is how our communities have become like this. This person hates that person. Father hates son. Brother hates brother. Brother is not even saying salam to another brother in the same masjid. Imagine this is, this is a community. What, the, what is the prophetic community? It will be jannat on earth. Forgiveness. Mercy. Afu. Pardoning. Hugging at my brother even though like, I I can't stand the guy. But for Allah's sake, it's worth it. For Allah's sake, for the sake of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it's worth it, I will do it. Not for this person, this person is not even worth it, he's garbage. Yes, it's possible. That person is not even worth the salam. That person is not even worth your forgiveness. Yes, it can be, but Allah is worth it. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is worth it. The community and your watan, your community and your watan is worth it. That's why. There's, there's, there's things that are more valuable than this scum. And if I'm just going to say salam to this person because it will be for the betterment of the community, so be it. This was the prophetic teaching. To look at higher higher goals, higher values. That's how you establish a community. That's how you establish jannat on earth. Not through buildings. Now, MBS, $500 billion in the desert. That's not how you establish a community, through billions of dollars. You establish it by working on the heart, removing hatred, removing kufr, removing jealousy, removing you know deception in your heart for one another. That's how you create Jannah, not through billions, not through buildings. وَلَا تَدَابَرُ And don't turn your backs to one another. SubhanAllah. Don't turn your backs to one another. Look at how each one leads to another, right? First the jealousy, and then after jealousy you start taunting, and after the taunting then you start having hatred, and after hatred you start turning your backs. What happens in a community when people start doing that? It's jahannam. Imagine if you just implement this in your own house. Even imagine if the husband and wife, they, they implement this with one another. Start with your own home, start with your own self. Don't say, oh, well, oh well, he's not doing it, no, don't worry about whether he's doing it or not, you do. Everybody's worried about somebody else doing, forget about what he's doing, what are you doing? You do first, you change yourself. Somebody told me, Shaykh, I live with a the person, they're doing like this and they're doing like that and they're a toxic person, I said, look, if you can't change anybody, change yourself. You can't change somebody, that's fine. These people are going to remain toxic. First and foremost, if you have toxic, something that's toxic, don't go near something toxic. That's number one. But what if it's my so-and-so? What if it's my so-and-so that I have to deal with every day? Then if something is toxic, then you've got to wear gloves, and you've got to wear masks, and you got to put... So before you, you know, deal with that person, be, you know, on edge and be careful that you don't, you know, you don't, you know, you don't provoke them. You stay away from arguments. You just say, yes, the milk is black. Okay, milk is black. The sky is green. Okay, sky is green. Just whatever, that's it, just go along with them. Wear your mask, walk on eggshells, and stay away from any argument. And after that, don't deal with them on an everyday basis. You don't have to deal and you don't have to, you know, interact with them, only to the extent of necessity. And after that, right, Change yourself. This is what my point was. وَلَا عَلَى And do not cheat one another in your transactions. That if somebody, for example, is, you know that somebody bought something and they have three days, they have three days what you call khiyar, right? I have a choice. I'm going to see this item and I have a choice to return it. So another person comes and says, give it to me, you know? Break that transaction, give it to me, and, you know, uh, I can, I'll, you know, this person will buy it for more. Do you see what I'm saying? So breaking that transaction in the middle in order to make another deal somewhere else where you, in, you know, what do you interfere with this transaction? And then, you know, Islamically, a person has khiar, right? Where you sell this item, and that person has this khiyar or this... Uh, choice to keep that item for a couple of days and then they can return it so in the middle while this transaction is still ongoing the seller somebody else comes and says you know I can sell this for a higher price for you break it from this person so you break that transaction take the item away and sell it to somebody else for example this type of like cheating someone taking away the right of someone interfering with the transaction of someone where you know you're messing up a person's business you're interfering in a person's transaction this is haram, don't do that. Let this, or for example, another example of this is, you know, a person is speaking to someone else for marriage. This is another example that they've given. Al <laughs> A person is speaking to somebody else al ishta, to get married, and you know that that person is getting married with this person, so what do you do? Intentionally you go and you talk to that girl, or you talk with the family to talk to that girl for you. No. Do not interfere while this transaction is taking place. Wait till that is done. This is the haq of another Muslim. But people don't understand this. And then what happens? Right, another person gets involved and it breaks the opportunity of that person. The Prophet ﷺ forbade this. Don't interfere in someone else's transaction, either in business or either in marriage, because this is interfering in the haqq of somebody else you give them that right give them that courtesy that you would want for yourself give another human being the courtesy that you would want for yourself Wakunu ibadallahi ikhwana and be slaves of allah be brothers to one another imagine if we just realize this that one muslim is the brother of another muslim just this malcolm x accepted islam because of this this is that 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 code of Islam, due to which Malcolm X said, I never knew what Islam was until I went for Hajj. This, be brothers one another, slaves of Allah Ta'ala together. That he said, a white, blue-eyed, blonde-haired man is sharing his cup from me when I had come from apartheid, separatist America in the 50s and the 60s, where a white man has a separate fountain and a black man has a separate fountain. A white man has a separate section in the restaurant and a black man. This was just 60 years ago in this country. Who says that these people are, they, they, they know what the heck they're doing, which where they're going. They're just figuring things out now and now not only figuring, they're losing things now. They're not figuring nothing out anymore. You thought they might be figuring things out, but now they're going backwards. But this is, imagine Malcolm X came from a country where this is Christian. In that time, it was Christian values. These Christian people. They had a separate fountain for black people and a separate fountain for white people. And this is where the nation of Islam developed from this racism that the white man, right, is the blue-eyed devil. And you have the other extreme. You see how extremes give birth to other extremes. But when he came, and they came from nation of Islam, which is not a nation and is not even Islam. But anyways, he went, he he came to Makkah Mukarramah and what did he say? He said, now I've seen true Islam. Where a white man, blue eyes and blonde hair, he's giving me his cup. The cup that he drank from, he's giving it to me. And I'm sitting next to him, eating from the same plate. He said, this is the religion of God. This is the true path. This is the true Islam. And this is the true religion of God. And he said this before he passed away. He says, I think that the solution to all the problems of this country that we're experiencing, of the racism, of the inequality, of the injustice, all of it is Islam. This is what it is. This hadith, this hadith, which if we were to implement this, if you implement this in any society, wallahi, this, this earth right now here would become darus salam. You don't need money for this. You need heart. You need to be wealthy here. You don't need to be wealthy here in your pocket, in your bank balance. كُنُوا عِبَادَ اللَّهِ إِخْوَانَا الْمُسْلِمُ أَخِ الْمُسْلِمُ a Muslim is the brother of another Muslim. What does this mean? لا يَفْلِمُهُ He does not do injustice to him. He does not do injustice to him. ولا يخفله, He does not disgrace him. Always honor this person. The Prophet ﷺ said, call your brother by the name which is most honorable to him. Now what do we do? Hey fatty, hey what's up? Timbo, what's up? Brut, you know, all these like different names that we just make enough for people, like call the person by the most honorable name. As soon as we see somebody, they're coming to you, you call them by that name or you say something to them that immediately makes them small, humiliates them, mock this person. As soon as they come, you don't even say salaam, you make a joke about somebody. Oh, look at this guy, where are you? Kujaw Gumbudi, you know, where were you lost? You know what, they, they, make a, they make a joke as soon as they see you. This is not honoring another person. That person doesn't want to be in that community. Who's, and when I come, I'm being dishonored. The Prophet ﷺ would honor the most dishonorable of people, yani the most low, lowest of the people and that zamana and in that time were slaves. In the time of the Prophet, the most like, low class, because the mushrikeen in Mecca, they had like, low class people, high class people. The Prophet would give honor to the lowest of people. The Prophet would even honor children. He would say Salaam to children who are playing. He would say assalamu Alaikum. He would honor women and he would say Salaam to them. A mentally disabled young girl took the hand of the Prophet and just took him to the middle of the, 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 the road and just started talking and saying things to him and the Prophet is was just listening to her. Mentally disabled young girl took the hand of the Prophet and he's just, she's just taking him wherever she wants to go. They could do that for the Prophet. They could just take his hand and carry him and he would go with them wherever they want. And in the middle of the road, she's like saying things to him and he's listening to her, giving her honor. But we don't even honor like people that are honorable. People don't even honor the Imam of the Masjid. People don't even honor the ulama or the mashaykh or the Huffaz nowadays. And the Prophet is honoring people that are mentally disabled, giving them the time and listening to them. Whereas what are they saying? They're just blabber, blabbering, Allahu Akbar. لَا وَلَا يَكْذِبُهُ And no, you will not ever lie to a believer or consider what they are saying to be a lie. You never say, this guy just, he's making up stuff. Or you lie. And they, that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, the worst person is the one who, you are saying a lie to your brother and your brother is believing you. That is the worst person, is that you Right? You say lies to him while that person is, right? He's believing you in everything that you say and you're taking advantage of his trust. There's a lot of people who do that. They just make up stuff and people just trust them and take it, they take advantage of that. A believer will never do that. يحكيره, and you will never disgrace another believer and put him down and talk about his deficiencies. In front of him, nor behind him. Or joke, or mock at him. At-taqwa hahuna. And then the Prophet ﷺ says, Never judge anybody because true taqwa, it lies inside the heart. You will never know a person from their outside. This is a very important point that the Prophet is teaching us. Because a lot of people have this holier than thou. That I'm, lo- I- I'm better than you because my beard is two inches longer. You know, Or I'm better than you because my tobe is three inches longer than yours. That, that's not the reality of taqwa because the Prophet said, At taqwa hahuna. True piety is here in the heart, not in their outside appearance. Allah doesn't judge people by their appearances. He judges people what's in their hearts. So true taqwa is here. Don't judge somebody just on their external. You don't know how pious that person is. You don't know the relationship that that person has with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's here, their relationship with Allah. And he pointed And then he said, بحسب min sharr It's sufficient evil that you should despise another Muslim brother. And after you've understood all of that, never ever take advantage of the life or the wealth or the honor of another human being or another Muslim. SubhanAllah, just if you look at this in and of itself, this uh, hadith, in all of its aspects, if you ponder over it, SubhanAllah, this would make such a society and such a community that would become a true utopia. A true Jannat on earth if people implemented this. May Allah give us tawfiq to implement what has been said in our lives and in our families and in our communities. Wa wa